Our readings for today focus on the God that we worship. And the first reading is a familiar one from Exodus chapter 20. You'll hear the Ten Commandments. This will also be the sermon text for today. Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt where you were slaves. You shall have no other gods beside me. You shall not make any carved image for yourself or a likeness of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow down to them or be subservient to them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I follow up on the guilt of the fathers with their children, their grandchildren, and their great-grandchildren if they also hate me. But I show mercy to thousands who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not permit anyone who misuses his name to escape unpunished. Remember the Sabbath day by setting it apart as holy. Six days you are to serve and do all your regular work, but the seventh day shall be a Sabbath rest to the Lord your God. Do not do any regular work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your cattle, nor the alien who is residing inside your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. In this way the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may spend many days on the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We hear God's word from Exodus chapter 20. I'll read verses 1 through 3 at this time. Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt where you were slaves. You shall have no other gods beside me. This is the word of our God. And so we pray. Lord, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. My dear friends in Christ, what do you think of when you think of the Ten Commandments? I'm sure many of you think of Charlton, Charlton Heston, right? That iconic character playing Moses in the Ten Commandments as God led Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And then there's Charlton Heston standing on the mountain with the two tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. Sadly, so often when we think of the Ten Commandments, though, we look at it with a very negative view. When we think about God's laws, His rules, the Ten Commandments, we often think that these are the things that God is giving me to restrict my life. God is taking things away from me. He's preventing me from going the places that I want to go, from doing the things that I want to do. These are God's Ten Limitations. It's a very negative view of God's law. That the law is bad. 
that is not something good, that it's unwise to follow. It would be much wiser if I could just do what I wanted, go where I wanted, live how I wanted. But as God gives us his law, he also, in our text for today, gives us a new perspective toward that law. He leads us to see that law in a positive light, and he shows us the rich blessings that we receive as we follow it. Yes, the law of God is good and wise because it comes from the God of grace and because it directs us to trust alone in that God of grace. God had just accomplished some amazing things for Israel. The title of this book, where the Ten Commandments are first recorded, tells us everything that we need to know. Exodus. We're reminded of how God miraculously brought Israel out of slavery in Egypt, slavery to the, the greatest nation on the earth at that time. Yet God was greater, and He led them out of Egypt through that Red Sea. Such greatness would lead people to look at the children of Israel and say, wow, what an amazing people that is. Wow, what an amazing God. That's what had just taken place. And so as Israel comes to Mount Sinai in their wandering in the wilderness, God has some rules to lay down for them, some things for them to follow. Well, sure, God, what is it that you want us to do now? How often do we take that view of God's commands, that negative perspective? Just consider that command of God to Adam and Eve in the garden. We think, why, God? That just doesn't make sense. Why would you tell them not to eat fruit from that tree? And why does it even matter to you? It's so easy for us to look at God's commands and say, it doesn't even make sense. We sometimes treat God like he's that overbearing parent who makes rules that seem so arbitrary to us. We just don't understand the reason for it, and yet those rules exist for us. Take that first commandment. I understand we want to worship God alone. He is the only true God. But we have love for so many things in this life. And, and surely there are times when we have to devote our attention to those things too. It just doesn't make sense, God, that we can't have other priorities in life. Or the third commandment. Yes, I'll give you one day, God. I'll worship you here in, in your house once a week, but how could you expect me to, to devote my life to your word every day of the week, really, to, to have devotions on a regular basis? It's interesting to think that the majority of members of St. Paul's don't even have that level of expectation that I'm going to be in God's house once a week. We look at God's laws and consider them so, so negatively or one more example, the fifth commandment. Yeah, God, I understand. I understand that you don't want us to take life, that you value life. But be reasonable, God. 
We all get angry sometimes. Surely that can't be sinful for me to get upset. And you can't expect me to love even my enemies. Yeah, so often we look at God as that overbearing parent who, who gives us such strict rules that we could never even imagine following. But look at the way that God gives these commands to us. When we consider how God approaches us, how he treated Israel in giving his law, it changes our perspective on that law of God. The very first verse says, Then God spoke all these words. And just that verse itself should make us pause and say, That's all I need to hear, God. You spoke. You spoke your words to me. I don't need anything else, God, because you've come to me with your word. But that's not where he stops. He goes on. And the very first thing, as he prefaces his commands, he says, as he speaks all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt where you were slaves. I am the Lord. I I am the one who appeared to Moses at that burning bush, who revealed my name to him, the God of free and faithful grace, the Lord. This is the one who is speaking with you. I am the Lord, the one who has done such miraculous things for you, to set you free, to deliver you, to rescue you from your oppressors in Egypt. That's who I am. You are my people. You belong to me. You are my treasured possession. When we look at the way that God prefaces His commands to us, It changes our perspective on those laws that He gives to us. We recognize the love that the God of grace has for us as He gives us these commands. To see that, yes, indeed, the law of God is good and wise. When we hear God's laws, it should be the way that it was for Peter. As Jesus was teaching And many people left because the teaching was hard and they didn't want to hear those words that Jesus was speaking. And then Jesus turned to Peter and said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter responded for the disciples. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's our attitude as we view the commands, as believers, as we view the commands that God has given to us. Where would we go, God? What other God would we ever want? So God says, you shall have no other gods. And, and, and we say, God, you are our Savior. You have set us free, not from an oppressor nation. You've set us free from sin. You've delivered us from the devil. You've set us free from death. What other God would we desire? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
So that's the attitude. The attitude of the believer when we look at the law of God. These Ten Commandments are the words of God to us. They are life. And what a blessing they are to us. What a joy it is for us to follow them. Because this God is my Savior. This is the God of grace who speaks these words to me. Why would I want any other God? He set me free. Why would I seek any other, worship another, fear, love, or trust in any other? Yes, we seek the God of free and faithful grace. And that's what we find as we see the one who gives us his commands at Mount Sinai. We see the Lord who who loved us by his grace and freed us from the slavery of our sins. This is the God who rescued us from our sins by his perfect obedience to every command that God ever gave. This is the God who sent his Son into this world to be perfect and obedient to every rule. This is the God who set us free from slavery to the devil by the payment of his own life on the cross for all of our sins. And he set us free from slavery to death by his resurrection from the dead. These are the acts of God who speaks his law to us so great So miraculous that everyone in the world should stand in awe and say, wow, what a people. Wow, what a wonderful God that they have. So we are led to look at the law of God and say with the hymn writer, the law of God is good and wise because it comes from the God of free and faithful grace. And everything that he has done for us is good. And so why would we not want to follow his commands too? Because we know those commands are also for my good. So we look at the law that God has given to us and to Israel. And it's important for us to remember this. These Ten Commandments are not just the ceremonial or civil law that God had given to Israel for that nation at that time. This is God's eternal will. For all people of all time, his moral law. And we see how wise that law is. Because it directs us, first and foremost, to this God. And this God alone who has saved us by his grace. Consider the first three commandments. They all deal with what is called the first table of the law. Jesus, when he was asked about the greatest command, summarized the first and greatest commandment this way. The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And here Jesus quotes Moses' concluding summary of the Ten Commandments, which were given in the parallel account to this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. To know and to love God above all else is the highest and greatest commandment Jesus teaches. That's really a summary of the first three commandments. Perhaps you can look at the first three commandments this way. They each deal with the way in which we show fear, love, and trust in God above all things. We do so with our thoughts 
and with our words and with our actions. The first commandment deals with our thoughts, the the thinking of our hearts and our attitude toward God. You shall have no other gods. That means in your thoughts, in your attitude toward God, you hold God first and dearest, that you love God with your thoughts. The second commandment deals with our words, how we speak about God, His name and His teaching. That's how we show love for God above all things, not just in our thoughts, but also in the words that we speak about Him. And the third commandment deals then with our actions, how we worship, how the things that we do are in line with the love of God above all else. That third commandment, to devote our time, to devote our lives to this God, that we love God with our actions. This is loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. And we show love to Him in our thoughts, words, and actions. And no other God in our thoughts No other God honored with our words. And no other God worshipped with our actions. That's what God's laws direct us to do, to see Him first. And beyond the grace that this God grants to us for our benefit, He also offers blessings as we consider obedience to His commands. It's really marvelous to consider His blessings to us in the commands that He gives These commands aren't negative for us. They're not restrictive. It's not just that first table of the law which directs us to that which is most important for us in our life, the God who has rescued us from our sins, the God of free and faithful grace. But even the second table of the law, love for our neighbor, is God's wise, God's good directions for our lives. It brings us blessings as we obey those commandments. Why does God give the command, you shall not murder? Why does God give us the command, you shall not commit adultery? Why does He tell us, don't give false testimony against your neighbor? Is it because He wants to rob us of the fun that we could have by living a life of lawlessness, of disorder and chaos? No. It's because He wants to protect me. He wants to protect my life. He wants to protect my relationships. He wants to protect my property and my good name and reputation. Every command that God gives to me is a blessing to protect me and to protect others from the sins that I would commit against them. What a truly wise God we have. Consider some of the blessings that God speaks. In verse 6, he says, I show mercy to thousands who love me and keep my commandments. And again, he speaks of another blessing, humanly speaking, of following God's commands. In the fourth commandment, when he says, Honor your father and mother, so that you may spend many days on the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. Even in light of the promises of blessing by following God's commands, Understand, this is not our motive for doing God's will so that He would make our lives better in this life. We don't follow God's commands because He's going to give us good things and blessings if we do. 
But through these commands, nevertheless, He does promise blessing to us. That these commands are for our good. That they will benefit us as we follow them. It's important that we understand that order of grace and obedience as we consider God's commands. God has already won for us eternal life. He's given us salvation. He gives it to us by His grace of His own free will. We are saved. We have every blessing that we could ever desire in Jesus Christ. But also because of that grace that we have received from God, we, we look at His law and it motivates, the grace that God has for us, it motivates us to follow those good commands of God, to recognize what a blessing they are, are for our lives. Because God has saved us from our sins, we delight to follow His will and obey His commands. That's the proper order when we consider God's commands. Our motivation for following God's will is always thanksgiving to God for salvation. Yes, it's true. Blessings will come as a result of obedience to God's good will and purpose for our lives. But that's not why we obey them. We obey those commands because He saved us. And He blesses us even further from an earthly standpoint as we follow those commands. As I examine God's good and wise law, as we all do, always, we first and foremost see our sins against them. That's what God gave His law for, to recognize where I stand with God, that He is holy and I am not. The law shows me my sins. But that's why I look again to that God. That's the God who placed himself under that good, wise, perfect, and holy law for you in your place and kept it perfectly for you. That's the God who freed you from all the sins that you have ever committed against that law. That's the God who rescues you from all of the effects of sins, the greatest of which is death itself. See the God who stands behind this law the God of your salvation. And then pray that God would grant us a positive view toward His law. That it is indeed good and wise. It's good because it comes from the God of grace who gives us all goodness, who has set us free from sin, death, and hell. And it is wise because it directs us to trust in that good God alone so that we say with Peter, why would we want any other God? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. God bless us as we trust in Him and follow His good will for our lives. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Savior. Amen.